Welcome to Music and Medicine with Dr. Carl Wern. On the first Sunday of each month at this time, Dr. Wern soothes you with classical music and great ideas for living a more healthful life. Now, here is Music and Medicine with Dr. Wern. Welcome to the August show. It has a special place in my heart and my life because we are going to do a program that is devoted to the odyssey of the ocean and the seas. As we all know, the oceans and the seas have been a major decisive factor in the whole of human history. Our civilization, the Western civilization, was allowed to develop because the Greeks defeated the Persians in the Battle of Salamis, one of the biggest naval victories enterprises in the history of the ancient world. And we all know that Augustus Caesar defeated Mark Anthony in, in a major battle on the sea. We all know the Spanish Armada, the destruction of that by the English led to the demise of Spain was defeated by the British and that led to the demise of the Spanish Empire followed by the demise of Napoleon when he was defeated at Wellington and of course we know about the um, 20th century when uh, Pearl Harbor forced the United States into war with Nazi Germany and then fabulous destruction of all the submarines of the Germans in the Atlantic and finally the famous uh, D-Day when across the British Channel in 1944 invaded France and that led to the end of World War II. So the sea has been a critical factor in, in human history, and it's also a critical part of my history because I grew up on an island in Long Island in New York City. Spent my uh, early years, the first seven or eight years of my life, I spent at Wading River on Long Island, which is on the north side of Long Island. And my mother introduced me to the sea, not only the uh, Long Island Sound, and I was swimming at age two, but she also gave me the book by Rachel Carlson called The Sea Around Us. Showed us the magnificent stories and, and how life began in the sea. And finally, when I was uh, eight years old and I was at the United Nations School, and it was a village of a basic design for people who worked at the United Nations. But the older school was in, in Manhattan later on when it became a high school as well. But we used to go to the United Nations every six to eight weeks. We'd go to the General Assembly and listen, and uh, we'd go throughout the United Nations. We'd eat lunch there. One time, I was at the United Nations, and we went to the General Assembly, and there was it was not in session, but there sitting in the front row was Thor Heyerdahl, who had decided that he was going to reproduce the uh, voyage from Peru to the Polynesian islands and Easter islands that he and a lot of other archaeologists believe happened in pre-Columbian times, in the, whether it's 12th or 13th century. And he was um, in his early 50s at that time, and he had done this magnificent journey with four other Norwegians, and they had left, they built a balsa raft with instruments that were there at the time of the 12th, 13th century, and they proceeded to travel 5,000 miles from Peru to the, um, the Easter Island and the Polynesian Islands. I spent a half an hour to 45 minutes talking about him one-on-one, -on -one, and it was a fabulous inspiration for me of the magic of the seas. Also, was a great story that he told me is that, he, of course, he had been not only in Polynesia and South America and Africa, but he also had been with the Eskimos for a number of years. And he told me this great story. He said, when you eat with the Eskimos, it's very important after your meal to burp as loudly as you can because 
If you don't burp, they feel that you're not enjoying their meal. Subsequently, the next few months, I tried to reproduce that, and my mother was not very happy. The Contiki was a balsa wood boat, and it's called Contiki because it's made up of this balsa wood. Our discussion is about the sea today and the ocean and the magic of the ocean. And I'm going to give you a magical classical music piece about the ocean by a famous composer from the French school, and it's called La Mer. And Debussy was a fascinating man who actually grew up and then was very poor, so he went to Russia So Debussy had spent two years in Russia teaching the children of this wealthy lady who had also subsidized Tchaikovsky. So he had an interesting um, introduction to Russian music at the time. He composed La Mer when he was on the, uh, the beaches in Burgundy. And he composed it in 1903. It's interesting that Debussy was fascinated by the sea. And he said, you perhaps do not know that I was destined for the fine life of a sailor. And that it was only by chance that I was led away from it. And now we will give you a performance of the opening seven to eight minutes of La Mer, a fantastic symphonic poem about the sea, performed by the Ulster Orchestra with Jan Pascal Tortelier conducting.
You have heard one of the beautiful tone poems, symphonic poems by Debussy, and it's an incredible duplication of the sounds of the sea. We will now pursue the sea from a different angle. I will start off to say not only have I lived by the ocean most of my life, I had the privilege to be in a ship's doctor for three weeks on the SS Enchanted Isle. A old cruise ship left the Port Juliana in New Orleans. And this was a fascinating introduction to the sea. I learned how to improvise and take care of a number of illnesses that I did not see on land. I also learned that the sea is a place where anything can happen at any time. You have to understand that the sea can be very dangerous. And I'd like to introduce my uh, views of the sea by quoting a uh, famous Italian poet and philosopher, Dante Alighieri, who wrote uh, the uh, poem, The Inferno. He said that wisdom is hidden like a snake in the grass. Anybody who sails on the sea must understand that the dangers of the sea can bite you at any time. I would like to illustrate two cases that I saw during my voyage that show you the dangers of the sea. And the first one was on my second week. By the time we got out of the Mississippi, it was early in the morning on Sunday. We no longer could um, have passengers who are very ill get helicoptered back to land. Once we passed the mouth of the Mississippi, there was no turning back, and the doctor on board, which is Dr. Carl Wern, had to take full responsibility and be in charge of any illness that would arise. As the doctor, I worked 8 to 10 taking care of passengers and 4 to 6 taking care of passengers, and then after that, I would take care of the crew. I got paid a princely sum of $28 a day, and I got 20% of the billings. 20% went to me, 20% went to the nurse, it was for New Zealand, and disliked Americans intensely, particularly on my voyage, she disliked me because she had just broken up with her Jamaican boyfriend. Now, uh, this is this is important uh, in this story because she was somewhat dysfunctional at this time, and it was the second week. We had finished up taking care of the, uh, of the passengers who paid, and now I started taking taking care of the crew, and it was 11 o'clock, and this guy comes in who weighed about 450 pounds, and he was about uh, 5 feet 2, and he was a health official from New Orleans, and he had had a mild stroke about two years before, but he still decided to go on board and take the one-week trip because he was accompanied by his wife, who was a EMT, and his best friend, who was a paramedic. And now he had blood pressure problems about two or three weeks before he, he took the voyage, but he, he insisted on uh, going for the cruise. So he comes in about 11 o'clock after gorging himself on the Sunday buffet, and he's having a huge anterior myocardial infarction. And, I mean, I'm talking about, in my career, I've only seen about 50 or 60 heart attacks worse and I've seen thousands and he's perspiring and he's in bad shape and we get him there and uh, we start evaluating him and we we had streptokinase which was a clot buster uh, even though it was outdated we used it 
and he started to ha- deteriorate and his blood pressure went down so we started him on uh, on dopamine and we proceeded for the next hour and a half to take care of him but he deteriorated and kept having a more rapid pulse and finally he had a cardiac arrest paramedic helped me with intubation and i i started i put a subclavian line in him and but he passed away after about 2 hours now will i introduce a, a wonderful piece it's actually a duo for violin and uh, cello and i actually first performed this piece in martha's vineyard at the old whaling church but i started practicing this piece on my cruise because i took my cello along the cruise remember on the ship they have um, entertainment bands for dancing and they also had some string instruments for musicals and i got to know the violinist on this cruise and we played together about a half a dozen times and one of the pieces we played were these two lovely duos by Glier, who was a famous Russian composer who lived from 1874 till 1956. He's famous, the opera The Red Poppy, and from that Red Poppy, there's a famous movement of the Russian saber dance. That was well known to me because I was in high school and we had a conductor who was very good in in Jamaica High School in Queens, who was the associate conductor for uh, the American Symphony Orchestra that was uh, conducted by a famous Russian composer full-time. This conductor, David Katz, was quite an excellent musician and he would conduct our uh, student orchestra, and we played the Russian saber dance. And what I remember him saying multiple times, he said, stop rushing. We're going to hear a performance, a live performance of this piece at the old whaling church in Edgartown, Martha's Vineyard. If you go to Martha's Vineyard, you should visit the old whaling church. I've done about seven or eight concerts there over the last 30 years. It's a beautiful church built in the style of Greek revival that was very famous in the mid-19th century, built in 1843 by the carpenters who worked on ships. And it's a magnificent church as you come into Edgartown. I played there at least seven or eight times. And, and this concert is from 2005. And we are playing two pieces by Glier. And uh, the first piece is uh, Canzonetta. It's a movement that's fairly emotional. And the second movement is uh, called Gavat. I'll be performing this piece with Robin Bushman, a distinguished violinist in New York City, who was the concert mistress of the Brooklyn Philharmonic Orchestra and has also played in the New York Philharmonic. We are hearing first Canzonetta, a duo by for cello and violin by Reinhold Glier. The second movement is Gavat.
At this point, we're going to talk about some of the medical problems that you encounter at sea. Obviously, one of the biggest problems you have at sea is seasickness. This was a particular problem on this voyage because, unbeknownst to me, one of the biggest hurricanes in the history of the Caribbean had happened in October, November 1998. It was so bad that it devastated parts of Honduras and other Central American countries. But the sea was still having abnormal swells four or five months later from this hurricane. So the uh, seasickness aspect of this voyage was quite profound, especially the first week. We had a good solution to that was transderm scope is a little piece of medicated tape that you put behind your ear and you get absorbed over uh, 24 hours. And scopolamine is very good for nausea and vertigo. Seasickness is caused by upset of the uh, labyrinthine system. There's a whole series of intricate tubes that are designed to help you maintain your balance. When these fluid in this uh, system gets bounced around too much, then you become dizzy, nausea, vomiting, and you want to lie down. And the transderm scope quiets down the reaction to this abnormal movement in the labyrinthine system of your inner ear. So it's very important when you're about to travel on a ship, make sure that you get some transderm scope from your doctor prior to going on the journey. We all know the problem of COVID recently that caused a large number of people getting sick and dying on cruise line. And it shut down the cruise lines for basically two years. One of the natural urges of human beings is to like to get together. I mean, we like to go to concerts together. We like to go to football games together. There's sort of an element of the Pied Piper where people love to, to be in groups. And on cruise line and ships, you're in very close proximity to a lot of people all the time, whether you're eating or you're dancing or you're going to the shows. Most cruise lines have small auditoriums where they put on musicals 
and operatic uh, productions. Well, the second thing I saw when we would come to these different islands, whether it was Jamaica, Grand Caymans, Cozumel, is that people would go on the beach and they get stung by jellyfish. Jellyfish are part of the Medusa family, and there's all kinds of jellyfish, and most of them are not serious, don't provide a serious danger to humans, but there's the box jellyfish that can kill you, and it can cause a systemic reaction and you can die from it. The man of war and lion's mane jellyfish, all these jellyfish, which are in their sexual stage when they're bouncing around, and there's a bell on top, almost like a little umbrella, and then the tentacles come off it. And the bell is used for propulsion. As the bell contracts, the jellyfish is able to move around. It's very interesting. The jellyfish have been around for 500 to 700 million years. So it seems to me that they're doing a lot better than mankind these days in surviving. The treatment of most jellyfish stings is basically warm water inactivates the toxin to clean the area. And acetic acid vinegar is effective in helping to remove the uh, little uh, darts from the uh, tentacles. Most people do not have any really serious generalized reaction. Occasionally, people from the serious, like the box jellyfish, can develop a systemic reaction with nausea, vomiting, and cardiovascular complications that can lead to hypotension, arrhythmias, and death. I think I would like to wind up this part of the discussion of how dangerous the sea is. Is a, a very interesting story that uh, on my third week of the cruise, we did a, a, a fantastic drill. Every major organization has to have, that involves a lot of people, whether it's a hospital, a cruise ship, has to have periodic drills to show the accrediting agencies that things are done properly. And one of the things on ship you have to prepare for is uh, is the ship going down. A very interesting part of my uh, journey on this ship was this third week drill that we had for the whole ship, and it involved two hours where everybody was had to put on a life jacket. Everybody had to go to their stations where they were, could get into the lifeboats to get off the boat. I had a uh, companion during this drill who was the ship's engineer, who was an old salt, had been sailing on the sea since the age of 12. He was from Romania. He said something very interesting to me sort of towards the end of the drill, and he says, you know, doctor, you know, there's the captain... There's the co-captain, there's the first mate, and then there's the engineer. If by chance that they lose their lives, the doctor is in charge of the ship. And I looked at him in terror because I had no idea that at some point in time, I might have to be commanding this uh, ship with 800 passengers and 600 crew. You know, I have trouble uh, driving a fast car, much less a, uh, you know, a huge uh, passenger ship. And just as we were finishing the drill, he said to me in a serious voice, very serious, I was really, he said to me in his Eastern European accent, he says, only a fool is not afraid of the sea. And now we will play the opening portion of Beethoven Sonata in G minor for cello and piano, and it'll be formed by Dr. Carl Wern with my accompanist Robert Coppelson.
Another piece that's dear to my heart and was performed in 1988 with my uh, accompanist from Connecticut. We performed this at the Whaling Church in late July 1988, and I remember this very carefully because the day before, I had heard uh, Bobby McFerrin at the Tabernacle. I remember that he had an audience of about 2,000, and I barely had an audience of 200. That was still pretty good for uh, classical music. My accompanist from Connecticut had to lug his harpsichord from Connecticut, and he barely got it on the ferry and in his car, but he was able, with, with his wife Joan, to successfully bring the harpsichord to Martha's Vineyard, and we did a concert of many... Baroque compositions, and one of the pieces on the program was the uh, Bach Gamba Sonata in G minor that we recorded many years later. We recorded actually all the Bach Gamba Sonatas, uh, and it was dedicated to my first teacher, David Sawyer, and we will now perform the first movement, the third Gamba Sonata by Bach in G minor.
I want to get quickly back to um, medical issues that are presented by the uh, seashore, and that's Stingray. And they have barbs that can penetrate wetsuits, boots. They're incredibly powerful. They have to be removed if you can't remove them because they can lead to terrible inflammation and infection. First thing to do if you have one that's under your skin is to put warm water on it because that will inactivate the toxin. And that happened to my younger daughter when we were in Jamaica, and the warm water really worked. The inactivation by the warm water will inactivate the toxin. It will inactivate the toxin and relieve you of significant pain. I have a special piece I will be playing that uh, brings back a lot of memories of being on uh, Martha's Vineyard in 2002. I was working at different emergency rooms on Martha's Vineyard. When I had previously been in Martha's Vineyard, I generally had not worked as a doctor, but I worked at Martha's Vineyard, Vineyard Haven Hospital, it's called, and it's a very good hospital. I worked there probably seven, eight times, about five to seven days each week. Now we will play the fantasy from the fantasy and last movement of the uh, Fantasia for Cello by Dr. Carl Wern. It's, it's a four-movement piece, Largo, Marsh Triste, Beret, and the last movement is called Fantasy. I composed this in 2004. Thank you. 
have approached the end of the program. We will still be having a performance of a piece at the Wailing Church in Martha's Vineyard. This is the last time I performed there in 2005. And we're going to be forming the last movement of the Mendelssohn Trio in D minor. I performed that with Robin Bushman, Robert Kals Poppelson, and myself in Martha's Vineyard in August of 2005. But we will hear a recorded performance by the magnificent pianist Susan Walters, Robin Bushman, and Dr. Wern. We'll be playing the last movement of the Mendelssohn Piano Trio in D minor. It's called... Allegro assai appassionata.
This has been an exciting program about the sea and the odyssey of the sea, the adventures that Dr. Wern has had on the seas. And we will end the program most fittingly with a popular song about the sea and the ocean called Yellow Submarine. I'd like to introduce this wonderful song, which features Ringo Starr singing by the Beatles. It was on the uh, album called Revolver that was released in 1966. And what's very interesting about this this song is that there are all these overdubs of Sounds of the Ocean. Not only are there Sounds of the Ocean, but they have bells going off. They have the sounds of waves, bubbles, which was John Lennon using a straw and sending it into a bowl of water. So this is really a fabulous, not only a piece of music, but of extraordinary effects that the Beatles were creating on their productions as they matured in the late 60s. So we'll have the uh, wonderful song Yellow Submarine performed by the Beatles that originally appeared on the album Revolver in 1966. In the town where I was born lived a man who sailed to sea and he told us of his life in the land of submarines so we sailed unto the sun till we found the sea of green and we lived beneath the waves in our wonderful odyssey about my voyages through the ocean and the sea. I'd like to say I've gone back in time to my early years when most of my dreams involved being on an island in the middle of the sea alone, 
which I think I uh, I acquired from listening to my sisters talk about Gulliver's travels. I think the sea is a magical place, and I hope we can keep the oceans clean and protected from the, the devilish um, designs of mankind. This is Dr. Wern. I am looking forward to our September show. We're going back to school, and we will talk about my teachers, their music, and some of the recordings that some of my teachers have done that are outstanding and wonderful to listen to. See you next time on Music and Medicine. You have been listening to Music and Medicine with Dr. Carl Wern. Join us again at 5 p.m. on the first Sunday of every month right here on WRAX 106.5 FM. If you would like to hear the program again, visit bedfordcountyradio.com. Facebook, or find it on your favorite podcast, including Spotify, Google, Amazon, or Apple. See you next time on Music and Medicine.